Hello, and welcome to the Movie Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll have a spoiler-filled discussion about a movie we think you'll enjoy. In this movie spotlight, I am joined from my by my sister Kay. We're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the Suicide Squad movie. We just watched that on Blu-ray. We're going to spoil it, other DC movies, TV shows, and of course, probably talk a little bit about uh, the Suicide Squad in the comics and uh, wherever else we may have seen them. Now, your familiarity with a couple of these characters probably comes from the uh the flash and arrow tv show i would imagine that's what i was really thinking you've seen deadshot there you've Mm -hmm. seen amanda waller there Mm -hmm. uh captain boomerang briefly in the first arrow uh flash crossover i'm trying to think which other characters we might have seen in there flag uh yeah flag um this movie is very much based on the john ostrander uh era of the suicide squad There was an earlier version in the late 50s, early 60s that was kind of a uh, military against monsters sort of thing. But then after uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, around the time of the Legends uh, crossover uh, series, this would be around 87 or so, they introduced this version by Ostrander, which was basically, let's take a couple of of incarcerated supervillains and force them to go do our, our dirty work as the government or whatever, kind of a disposable ops sort of approach. Mm-hmm. It had the neck bombs. Uh, they had actually a lot of, many of the characters here were in the original lineup. Enchantress, I think, was one of them. Uh, certainly um, Deadshot, uh, Captain Boomerang, and I'm trying to think who else was in the original one. But the original story had one of those, okay, let's let's have, like they had Slipknot here. Mm. Let's have the, the sacrificial lamb, the one who tests the, uh, they're just kidding about this blam, I guess they weren't. Yeah, the one who proves the point. Yeah. With this kind of a movie where you've got an established world, but a new corner of it for most of the audience, um, they had a lot they had to do. The beginning for me was very slow, and part of that is because of the lot they had to do. They had to introduce us to all these characters and explain to us how they got within grasp of Amanda Waller, basically. Well, I mean, the start of it was the framing sequence was the dinner Amanda Waller was having with some uh, government people setting up uh, the Task Force X. So we get the origin of the Suicide Squad. We get the backstory for how Deadshot was captured, how Harley was captured, her whole backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, we get uh, a bit about the backstory for Captain Boomerang, El Diablo, uh, the Enchantress. So they give a number of origins in this. Uh, a couple of cameos, a really brief one by The Flash, mm-hmm. and a surprising amount with, uh, with Batman. I did not like Batman in the uh, Deadshot one. Yeah, when Deadshot was captured, it was basically Amanda Waller let Batman know he where he was, how to find him. That part I didn't mind. 
What I minded was Batman purposely chasing a father and his child into an alley and putting him into a position where it looked like I'm going to force your child to become an orphan unless you do the right thing. Yeah, it seemed very un-Batman-like. Batman, one, it was the middle of the day. Two, Batman would not have put the kid in, in jeopardy. Um, it was almost a bizarre reversal of his origin. Yeah. And I didn't care for that at all. What I did like when they were setting up Deadshot and his prowess with weapons is he had placed the one device. Yeah. And it turned out to be a ricochet device. Yeah, I really like that. Whereas at first it seemed to be just a tracking computer or some such. Yeah. So there was some, some good stuff there. Will Smith did a good job there. Uh, Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn did a mm-hmm. terrific job. In the TV shows that I know uh, Deadshot from, he has a military background, which gives him a basis of ethics, of believing in mm-hmm. what's right, uh, definitely a, a core he falls back on, and it's kind of PTSD and a failure to get back into civilian society that's led him down a wrong path. And in this, they didn't give either sufficient backstory or that element of backstory. So later in the movie, when he's one of the few suicide suicide squad members to have the ethical background or core, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, really, they establish him as having been a world-class assassin for hire, but not how he got to that point. Yeah. So we didn't really get his full origin, but we get some of his backstory. Yeah. And he's one of, Deadshot's one of the members of the Suicide Squad that from from the Ostrander era forward, which is this incarnation, or this uh, take on the Suicide Squad, while the name had been used previously, it was in a totally different context, uh, he's one of the mainstay members. If it doesn't have him, it's kind of not really the Suicide Squad. Uh, one of the other frequent members is Captain Boomerang. I didn't feel he was well used here. Oh, not at all. And he's an interesting character. He's a little out of place here because his he's one of the Flash villains. Mm. He is one of the ones in the comics that hangs around with um, Captain Cold, Heat Wave, Mirror Master, Weather Wizard, um, and is one of the, well, prior to the Suicide Squad, at least, one of the core rogues guys. Mm-hmm. Less so since the Suicide Squad because he's always been incarcerated. Mm. But he's one of those gimmick villains. And I mean, the boomerang thing's not a bad one, but it was rarely used here actually as a boomerang. Yeah. Typically, he was using them as just odd shaped knives once for like an aerial kind of reconnaissance that didn't make any sense. He used it more like a frisbee in that case. More like a drone. Yeah. And it wasn't moving. Like a, a a boomerang, I felt would have. Well, but that that's my point. It it flew more like a frisbee would have. There was no way it was going to come back to him. I, I'm not even. I didn't even sense forward motion for part of it. It just seemed to have a static shot, mm. like it was hovering. Well, yeah. See, hmm. the the bottom yeah. line is they didn't sell that well for yeah. either of us. And he's the bumbling idiot of the group. Definitely not the people person. No. But it's funny because you've got Harley Quinn as the people person here. The trained psychiatrist who can read people. Yeah, it was hard to tell how crazy she was or wasn't at times. 
they certainly gave her enough that the fact that I believe there are plans for another movie featuring her, I believe they're going to go with Gotham City Sirens and have Catwoman and uh, a Poison Ivy, which is, again, based on a comic with those mm-hmm. three, uh, makes a lot of sense. She did a good job both in the present day stuff and in all of the flashbacks, because I think one of the major arcs of this movie was Harley's relationship with the Joker. Yes. You know, it goes as far back to when we're first getting told about her to the very end of the movie. Yeah. You know, and it it played well. It worked well. It was it was a very busy movie in that respect. It was. Because most of the characters had some kind of an arc to some degree. There were a few where that arc was minimal and more implied than shown. Killer Croc just wanted to be treated like a person. Yeah. But again, we do see that arc. Yes. Yeah. And the I'm not a monster kind of a thing. I would say the one who got the the short end of the script and is a character that I don't really feel should be in the Suicide Squad is Katana. Mm. Yeah. I'll yeah. agree on both parts. She's very much how she was used in Arrow in many respects. But it's like, okay, she's not a thief. Is she incarcerated? Does she have the bomb? It doesn't seem like it. She seems to, to she, have flags back, but yeah. why? She seemed to be there because Flag called her in because he knew her and trusted her and he wanted someone there who had his back. But it was very much the helicopter's taking off for the mission and like literally before it takes off, she walks right on board and yeah, with no introduction. Yeah. So there were a few things where, again, you've got this many characters. It takes a while to, to give them all the spotlight. And for the most part, I thought they did a fairly good job with that. Mm-hmm. You know, Slipknot was the one that was, oh, yes, and he's coming, too. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, he's toast. Yeah. One, because the way he was introduced. Two, he's Slipknot, who was a pretty lame Firestorm villain. And it was one of those, I'm pretty sure his use in the Suicide Squad was as one of the sacrificial lambs. Well, and Flag, his arc, if you will, was entirely dependent on his girlfriend. I didn't care for the relationship with between Flag and June Moon, the host of the Enchantress. The Enchantress having a brother came out of nowhere for me. Okay. I mean, it made sense in the context yeah. of the movie, but I don't know of any context from the comics. In the comics, she is more like a Halloween-looking witch. She's got the uh, kind of the green uh, dress, the the pointy hat. The long red scarf does some enchanting and, you Mm. know, turn you into a frog or whatever kind of a thing. Versus this was more of, I was going to want to go with like an Incan god or, or, you know, something of that sort. It worked well. They did a good job with it. It just felt very different. The existence of the brother, sure, you got one, why not two? Okay, that makes sense. But Amanda Waller having kind of a briefcase with the the heart of the enchantress that she can just poke with a stick or whatever to keep her in line. I'm like, wow, you do, you do not know what you're messing with. Yeah. Yeah. The poking it instead of, Oh, I don't know. Give it a gentle rub. Give it a nudge of a reminder as opposed to a stab at the first sign of displeasure. I, at the very least have a knob. You can crank up the electricity or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. If that doesn't work, then poke it with a stick. Sure. It, there was very much a matter of Amanda Waller playing with... Uh, Fire? Yeah, very much. 
toys she ought not to be playing with. And they bring that up. It's like, this isn't going to work, whatever. Well, the whole movie took place because Amanda Waller decided to create a Suicide Squad. There is that aspect of it. From the trailers I had seen when this was going to be in the theaters, I was expecting them to get dropped off in some foreign country Mm. to go stop some, you know, crazy thing. Yeah. Not it's in an American city. Yeah. You know, and the fact that the whole thing happened because one of her agents in the Suicide Squad got out of control. Mm-hmm. If again, she set the whole thing in motion. Mm-hmm. So when we get to where they're rescuing the high value targets, and it's Amanda Waller, I'm like, man, I should have seen that coming. That was actually a clever twist. Yeah, it very much falls in with her. Um, anything she does is right. Just ask her mentality. Yeah. Now in the comics, the character of Amanda Waller has uh, the appearance has changed drastically. Early on. When she was first introduced, she was a very large woman. Hmm. If I were going to cast her the Black Bailiff on Night Court. Okay. I forget the actress's name. No, I kind of know who you mean. Uh, Would have been perfect. Very forceful kind of, you're not going to mess with her kind of uh, uh, personality. And again, uh, uh, an imposing kind of a figure. Um, But not the kind of imposing big menacing like you know huge football player wrestler kind of guy would be or whatever it's mm-hmm. um clearly though somebody you can't push around whereas between the arrowverse i'm trying to think how she was depicted in smallville but in more recent incarnations in media she's tended to be a much um skinnier person interesting i was actually amazed when she finally picked up a weapon like ah so you can actually defend yourself Oh, yeah, she definitely can in the comics as well. But she's got the nickname of The Wall because, you know, when she plants herself, there's just no moving her. You know, there's a certain stubbornness. Mm -hmm. And that's a character trait that in the comics, I think, visually works well with a larger, more imposing person versus somebody that a strong breeze seems like it could knock down. Yeah. And there's nothing right or wrong about either depiction. In the comics recently, they've kind of gone back to the more classic version. It's hard to tell if that was intentional or if just when the character kind of switched between artists, the more recent ones were thinking classic yeah. of what they were familiar with. Yeah. Um, the character had also been used uh, quite a bit, not quite a bit, but was used in the uh, Bruce Tim era of cartoons to the point of they did a really good episode of, um, I think it was either Batman Beyond or Justice League Unlimited. Might have been Justice League Unlimited, where they basically set up the Batman Beyond character as having been one of her backup plans for Batman. Hmm. He's not going to live forever. Let's clone him. Let's get a guy who yeah. goes through a similar life experience that we arrange, you know, killing off the parent, that kind of a thing. Yeah. Because, uh, again, she's that kind of manipulator. I was going to say, she's definitely a believer in manipulation and leverage. I just wish that the writers had been more clever, skilled, and slightly more subtle in how she would manipulate people. I actually felt Harley was the better manipulator. Yes. And I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of almost a chess match between those two over the course of the, the movie. Yeah. Um, 
we got a lot at the beginning with the guards at Bell Rev, and then there comes a point where they're just kind of gone. Yes. You know, which is fine. I don't think they added a whole lot. Um, but again, it goes back to that first part of the movie. It took a while to really set everything up. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We watched the extended cut on the Blu-ray. I don't know at what point we really hit the end of setup, start of let's go on the mission. <coughs> but it felt like it was a good ways into the movie. Yeah. Well beyond kind of that first third or whatever. Well, and then even though we'd been introduced to the team, we had to gather the team. Gather the team, get them into the right place, get them suited up, get them into the mission. Yeah. You know, and then there's the little side fight with a couple of people. Oh, let's not fight them. Let's fight them. Let's not fight them. You know. Yeah. And they seem to be wandering around Midway City a surprising amount. Yeah. It Part of that worked. Part of it didn't. It's like, why did they stop driving where they did or flying where they did or whatever? And um, the fact nobody really got banged up in the uh, in the helicopter crash was a little surprising. Yeah. I almost would have included another member of the team at that point. To die. It's a Just to die. In the, yeah. You know, and have flag and, you know, not even really kind of pay attention. They're like, but he's dead. Well, it's like, I, there's a reason we call this the Suicide Squad. And they're like, oh, really? <laughs> I also wanted them to recognize one of the uh, enemy soldiers they killed at some point to be part of Beta Team. They got yeah. converted. Yeah, they uh, they could have done that better. The other thing that didn't totally work for me was um, the guy at the casino that was pulled off and then the Joker's talking to or whatever. Mm-hmm looked a lot like Flag's kind of second-in-command. I don't think it was the same character, because I think the character the Joker was after was then to get him to the scientist. The scientist then had the the deactivation code. Yeah. You know, a few things like that. I mean, there's this whole almost side story behind the scenes that if they had felt like doing almost a a, a mini-movie on the the Blu-ray of just what the hell the Joker was doing in the intervening time. Yes. I mean, there's a whole other side of the movie potentially there. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine with him not having done it. I thought Jared Leto did a very interesting job with the Joker. I think that's a tough character to to handle and do well, but there have been multiple very good, strong takes on it. Yeah. Uh, everything from the Cesar Romero version in the 66 Batman show to Mark Hamill's portrayal in the uh, the cartoons um, to uh, Heath Ledger. You know, in uh, the more recent Batman movies, um, personally, not totally uh, partial to the um, the uh, one in the first Batman movie where it was um, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson. Mm, okay. There were times he was good, but he was too big to be the Joker. Again, too physically imposing of a figure. <coughs> and there were times he was the Joker and the times he was him. He kind of fell in and out of character. But it's it's one that, for the love story angle they were doing with Joker and Harley, um, Leto, I think, really pulled it off. He did. I was actually surprised how much... I'm not sure I'm going to say I enjoyed the love story, but the story worked for me. I mean, it's a very twisted love story. It's kind of hard to say, wow, I enjoyed that love story. The love story is twisted, and both individuals in the love story are twisted. Yeah, but they made it work. Yeah, they uh, they had a lot to play with there, 
both in terms of just the backstory of the characters. They got a lot of that into this movie, and it was relegated to a subplot, Mm -hmm. but it was a very fully realized subplot that integrated well. I mean, there were a couple of times the flashbacks were, shouldn't she be paying a little more attention to what's going on around her? Well, and trying to figure out, like, at one point they're looking at a motorcycle, and it's like, okay, something seems to be flashing on the motorcycle. So, is there a bomb on the motorcycle, or is the motorcycle triggering a flashback? What's happening? I I didn't even notice anything flashing. I thought it was more just rippling water or whatever. Okay, and maybe that's what it was. But it was just sometimes I was sitting there going, okay, I'm having to figure out what is triggering the next scene or images to know... Is she flashing back? The problem I have with that scene is they hang on the motorcycle for a good couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. And there's talk of we need to get somewhere. And I just had this image of her hopping on the motorcycle, plowing into the building and going up the staircase or some such, which is not what happened. Um, but it was one where, again, I enjoyed the, the flashback scene it led to. Yeah. Just to, to how her relationship with Joker progressed. Yeah. So they did some fun stuff there. Um, El Diablo is kind of, I don't want to say a nothing character in the comics, but I'm not even sure how much he existed, uh, this version, uh, prior to his uh, time with the Suicide Squad. There have been other characters with the same name, Mm, mm -hmm. but this villainous one, because the last one that had a title was kind of a street-level hero in New Mexico, I think it was. Uh, who may have also been a politician. I forget the details. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't brilliant. Uh, it was, again, something that after it was over, people quickly forgot. Mm. Uh, but this version of kind of the gangbanger or whatever with fire powers um, has taken me a while to really kind of warm to in the comics. And it's only the more recent uh, miniseries they've done of Suicide Squad uh, Most Wanted or something like that, where they focused on the individual characters. And his his story in there has actually been kind of interesting. I was gonna say here the the guy who is racked with guilt because when he can't control the mm-hmm. power, it literally destroys those he loves. So he doesn't want to use it ever because he knows the price he pays when he can't control it. Well, and the May wanting to be on the, the the road to redemption. Yes. Um. It costs him everything of value. His kind of transformation there at the end into this almost godlike, you know, yeah. fire god power kind of a thing, mm-hmm. which was good because they were fighting two other godlike entities. So, yeah, you know, but that was uh, as much convenient as anything else, you know. Wait, he seemed to see a picture of somebody's family when he got thrown into one of the Seven uh, Eleven type. Mm-hmm. Uh, convenience stores and it's one of those hell hath no fury like yeah situations and it was what he needed to lose control but i had gotten the impression at that point he didn't even realize he had that sort of a being inside of him or whatever agreed so going to that level of transformation he had no idea what would happen if he lost all control but i liked how they set that up with him asking what happens if i lose control and deadshot saying well then we might have a chance of winning. Yeah. So there was some fun stuff there. Yeah. Um. Let's see. We've talked about most of the characters. Have we left any out? We've talked a bit about Waller, a bit about Flag, a bit about Enchantress, uh, Deadshot, Boomerang, Harley, uh, El Diablo, Croc is really the only other one left, and, and Katana. And 
those are the two that got the least end of the script. Yeah. He was just kind of the uh, the token monster or whatever, and the muscle, and yeah, had a, a a good line or two here and there. Yeah. But his voice was just, I don't say garbled enough. I agree. It was... Just hard enough to make out. Yeah. Um, which fit the character, but I think some of the lines might have landed a little better if they were a little easier to make out. Yeah. It's just, there was just enough of almost a Cajun accent. Mm-hmm. And just the, he, he's a crocodile man or whatever, he's going to talk a little mm-hmm. funny, okay. Well, when they got to the point of, okay, we need to go underground into a flooded tunnel to get the ordinance that was left behind, I'm like, and why are we not saying we're going to send Killer Croc with the seals we're going to send down there? I want to know why they had seals with them. Yeah. Where did this diving equipment come from? Yeah, I'm like, Killer Croc is the obvious person to be sending. Why are we not suggesting this? Yeah. There were a few things here and there like that that were just a little puzzling as to why certain things were happening. But none that just totally took me out of the story. But that was one of those that seemed a little, you've got this guy here. You've brought him as cannon fodder. Maybe maybe you don't trust him or whatever. But the implication was the guy who set the bomb blew up. Yeah. I gotta say, though, Deadshot carries a remarkable amount of ammunition. Yes. I liked when they were setting him up uh, as he was showing off his, his prowess with firearms that he at least kept reloading. Yes. But there was a, a point there at the end where... Yeah, once they got to Midway City, I'm like, yep, those those guns are endless ammunition. I mean, occasionally he switched weapons, but it was unrealistically large I- amounts of ammo. Almost would have liked to have seen when he was like on the hood of the car shooting all of the stuff for Flag to occasionally throw him another magazine. Yeah. You know, that he would just catch, toss in, and keep going. Well, and when Flag's men gradually stopped shooting because they realized that Deadshot was getting everyone. Yeah. And that fewer and fewer were coming. You know, and back at the prison when he was showing off why. You know, they say he never misses. And they'd put these two little X's on each head for him to hit. And instead of hitting either X, he was hitting in between. I think the X's were just to mark where the eyes would have been. Is that? But he was hitting kind of the the, the forehead kill yeah. shot and, and I, putting bullets all the way through. Yeah, and I realized pretty fast that was what was going to happen. And I liked how it just gradually ding a little deeper, a little deeper, a little deeper. Yeah. And then that was well done. It was the gun equivalent of the arrow splitting the arrow yeah yeah and i felt they sold that well mm-hmm. again when he initially kills you know just when he's doing the uh the assassination the, the ricochet shot and stuff like that was well done yeah um at first i wasn't sure if will smith was the right guy to play this but he, he did a good job and they played the character very much like how he is in the comic wants to be a better father knows he's not a really good man this is something he's good at, and this is a place where they can put it to good use. Yeah. But he's still under no delusions that he is a good person. I loved his helping his daughter with math at the end. Yes. That cracked me up. Yeah, that was that was fun. Oh, so it's like when you're standing on a building shooting somebody, the hypotenuse is where the, the, the bullet travels. It's like, yes. Yes. And then yes. starts getting in. Sometimes there are other things, you know, the wind, the this, the that, the... Yes, yes. So, it, it's one of those things, if they do another one of the movies, he's got to come back. 
Well, and I loved when the U.S. Marshals came in and Flag's like, no, no, you don't need to put the cuffs on him in front of the kid. Yeah. And when he goes to give the kid a hug, he's like, I promised I'd go with them without killing anyone, so give me a hug goodbye. It was a well-done scene. I would say the big difference between Deadshot in this movie and in the comics, in the comics, he very much has a death wish. Mm. He is fearless, not because he thinks he will succeed, because he almost hopes he won't. Mm-hmm. I mean, he'll still shoot everything in sight, but it's really not that big of a deal if he were to just either get his head blown off from the bomb or, or whatever. Yeah, see, this was all about getting back to his kid. In the comics, they've done a few things at times to where the kid's either taken care of or whatever. But it's kind of, this is his lot in life to be with the Suicide Squad, so be it. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of, you know, not expecting to make it out of it alive, but not really doing too much to poke the bear either, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But it uh, they've done some good stuff with that character over the years in the comics. I was surprised in the movie how much Batman we had. I was surprised how much Gotham City we had. Which apparently is in New Jersey in this this reality. Uh, they very much made reference early on to the death of Superman. They did. So it's fitting into the, uh, the overall arc they're trying to do. Um, I thought the exception of the Deadshot backstory, Batman was, was well used. I thought, though, by having those references, it felt very odd that as Midway City was just getting ripped apart and evacuated, nobody, Flash, Superman, Wonder Woman, no, I mean, Superman's dead, fine, okay. But nobody was coming to do anything. Yeah. And then when the, you see the ocean, you know, and the, the battleships getting, it's like, well, that could bring Aquaman in, you know. Yeah. So the lack of any involvement from anyone else felt a little odd, but presumably few superhumans in this world that are public. And... The fact that most of the villains tied back to Gotham versus anyone else, I guess you could argue ties back to, um, again, it's it's an early point in this DC universe in the mm-hmm. movies. But it felt odd because some of, they could have pulled, I mean, half the team had direct connection to Batman. Yeah. So that was, that was what it was really is what it comes down to. It just it, surprised me. I mean, as much as Marvel, DC's trying to do what Marvel has done with the movies, they're just not there yet. Yeah. I felt this was a step, I guess, in the right direction. Well, I certainly enjoyed this better than Superman versus Batman. It's odd when the movie about the villains is a little bit more uplifting than the one about Batman and Superman. Yes. Yes. And that the plot holds together better, and the subplots are stronger, and the origin stories, I mean, this one... I mean, I think Jeff Johns came in and, and did a little tuning there at the end. And that may have also been when they made it to have stronger ties to the mm. other films and stuff. And again, we saw the extended cut. Maybe some of this wasn't in the theatrical release. But I think they're they're learning from what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But it's comparing a, a universe that's three movies in now. Yeah. You know, uh, Man of Steel, uh, Batman versus Superman, and now this versus, you know, the Marvel one that's, what, 9, 10, 12 movies in? Yeah. It's just a different uh, different point in, in where it's at. But I felt this did a, a good job with the characters it had, telling as much story as it did. I didn't feel things got the short end of the script. I was a little surprised that we didn't have any other metahumans visible at Bell Rev or elsewhere. Mm, yeah. Just as kind of Easter eggs or teases for next movies. Yeah. That just seemed like something they could have done. I don't know who exactly I would have brought in 
because a lot of kind of the iconic ones um, they've got, I mean, really Flag, Deadshot, and Captain Boomerang are like the long-standing members. A lot of others kind of rotate out. Harley Quinn from the last couple of years, of course. I don't think if there was anything else that I thought were major misses or hits in the movie. I liked the fact that uh, Diablo could see through the Enchantress, showing them what they wanted to see at the end. Mm-hmm. That he was the one who was realistic enough with himself to know what he had done, what crime he had committed, and what the truth of his life was. And what he, that he was trying to be a better man, but that he had not been a better man. He was. He had an inner peace to him, I guess. Yeah. That the others didn't quite have. I did like the dream sequence for Harley, though. Just seeing the family life. Yes. Um, and what the Joker would have would have looked like in that reality was kind of fun. Yeah. And they were suitably short dream sequences. Yes. So that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen Captain Boomerang's dream sequence. Yeah. Just because I think it could have been hilarious. Yeah. I mean, it could have just as been as simple as him kicking back on a beach with a bunch of beer, a bunch of diamonds, just throwing boomerangs or something. Yeah. Just, you know, what is his ideal life like? Um, so there, there were minor missed opportunities there. Yeah. Uh, the scene at the end credits uh, with uh, Batman and Waller uh, was interesting and, again, is moving towards setting up the, the Justice League film. Mm-hmm. So I think they've got a game plan for where they're going with the movies. I think they're doing a, a good job, but I think they've just got some really tough competition from Marvel in that respect. Definitely. Well, and quite frankly, from the DC TV shows. Yeah, yeah. They've already got a solid universe, and that's that's a little tough. Even when the writing isn't the world's greatest on the TV shows, they're very enjoyable rides. Well, and they've got the advantage of 20 episodes per season across the multiple seasons of the multiple shows. They've got a fairly rich universe there. Yeah. Versus six, seven hours of, of these movies. Yeah. Which have mainly focused on a handful of characters. Mm-hmm. This movie actually introduced more comic book characters of, of with powers, I should say, than uh, the previous two have. But that's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. So I, I'm trying to think what the next DC movie is that's coming out, and I don't recall off the top of my head. Wondering, well, I know there's a trailer out for Wonder Woman. That's I right. should say Wonder that. Woman is one of the next ones, and then Justice League's coming up in a bit. So definitely there's uh, more to be had on that. Um, have not heard anything about another Suicide Squad movie. Don't know that they need to do it, but we'll, we'll see where they go with the movies. Yeah. This was fun. Um, glad we watched it. Do I regret not having seen it in the theaters? I have a feeling I'm grateful we watched the extended cut. In terms of there weren't any scenes where I was sitting there going, man, they could have cut this scene. So I don't know what the theatrical cut versus this cut was, but I think I'm glad I saw this. Yeah, this cut worked well. Yeah. And the advantage of having seen it just this way is like I've got the Batman versus Superman film uh, sitting over there on TV on uh, Blu-ray and it's got like an extra half hour of footage or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but I thought the movie was just so so do I want to sit through like two and a half, three hours just to get the additional half hour that may or may not add to it. You know, it's, mm-hmm. so not having to make that that choice sometimes works out. Yeah. Yeah. But it just comes down to there's so many movies coming and going these days. 
that often it's hard to find the time to to hit the theater. And there's a lot to be said for just having the convenience of toss the Blu-ray in, watch it, sit here, record, we're good. Agreed. And that was a fun movie. Yeah, it was fun. It was, again, surprising how much story they had, how they had some strong arcs for a couple of different things. Because early on it was obvious Waller has her story, Harley has her story, and um, I guess it was the Enchantress that had her story. Yes. And they all kind of were parallel-ish enough that uh, it never felt like they were cutting away to go to a different disconnected thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I thought they did a good job balancing the number of characters, plot lines, etc. in this movie. And it was it was an enjoyable fu- uh, ride. Fun to watch. Yeah. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening. <laughs>